Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. It's always pretty funny when someone's alarm goes off during this sermon. It's like, wow, man, waking up at the crack of noon, I see. Just got that alarm just locked right in. Locked in. There was this rock star when I was a kid who kept changing his name, okay? He started out as Johnny Cougar. Then he changed his name to John Cougar. And then he went to John Cougar Mellencamp. And then he went to just John Mellencamp. He came to my mind because I had a memory this week of driving down Highway 1 between Calgary and Banff with one of my buddies, Rich Stewart, and singing the chorus to one of John Cougar's biggest songs at the top of our lungs. It went like this. Oh, yeah, life goes... You thought I was going to sing it, didn't you? Life goes on. Long after the thrill of living is gone. Oh yeah, life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone. Now I know it's just a ditty about Jack and Diane, but I wonder if John Cougar realized it's incredibly depressing. Like I wonder if it was for that reason that he kept changing his name. Think about that for a second. Life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone. I wonder if that's why... When you and I look around this world, look around our lives, we see so many people who seem to be existing, but not really alive. You know what I mean? Like the heart is pumping, the the, the lungs are breathing, but, but not really fully, completely, and totally alive. And what I wanted to tell you today, just as we get started, is that this is one of the big reasons that we're preaching our way through Proverbs. Because I really believe that God's calling you and calling me this year to step out of mere existence into fully, completely alive. Let's pray. So Jesus, we welcome you into this spectacular moment. We thank you that you've gone before us. For those who don't know you yet, we're thankful that you know them. And for all of us, God, you've prepared something for us today. So we pray, God, that you would pull us out of the kind of this acceptance that it's okay just to exist, but you would pull us into life, what we are called to. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Proverbs is called an Old Testament book of wisdom. 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 The, The problem that you and I have with wisdom at times is that we really love speed, simplicity, and certainty. And it feels like Wisdom at times doesn't offer any of those. And so what you'll see in our world is you'll see people settle for something less than wisdom. Okay, you have people called moralizers and what moralizers do is they take a wisdom question and they turn it into a morality question. Why would they do that? Well, they do that because they're craving speed, simplicity, and certainty. These people will tell you confidently what clothes you should wear, what car you should drive, what job you should work, where you should live, what political party you should vote for. There's something attractive about a moralizer, or if you are one, there's something attractive about stepping into that category of moralizer for a time, because we love speed, simplicity, and certainty. But over time, if you're around a moralizer, it goes from attractive to Annoying, from annoying to controlling, and if left unchecked, can even become abusive. 
here's an interesting question for you. If someone has an argument from moralizing and someone has an argument from wisdom, if those two people argue, who wins usually? The moralizer. For two main reasons, usually. This sense of certainty and this heightened volume. Kind of a sad thing, isn't it? Because they're getting it wrong and yet they win the argument. For some people, they settle for what's called rationalization. And that's when you take a wisdom question, but you turn it into a knowledge question. So in other words, what you want to do is you kind of want to take human existence and turn it into a math formula. You know what I mean? Like input and output. If you just do these things, everything will be okay. They turn it into a knowledge question. Knowledge, of course, is the acquisition and retention of information. And there's some information that's really, really important. And there's some that's like less important. I I looked up some information for you this week. You can decide whether it's life-changing for you or not, whether it's the key of you stepping out of mere existence into being fully, completely, and totally alive. You can decide for yourself. Um, I found out this week that it is impossible for a human being to lick their own elbow. Please don't try now, okay? If you really need to try, you just try on your own later on this afternoon, all right? Uh, I also found out that the almond is a member of the peach family, okay? That the largest temperature rise ever happened in Pincher Creek, Alberta. Listen to this. In one hour, the temperature went from minus 19 Celsius to plus 22. That's so cool. Um, In your lifetime, on average, you will swallow eight spiders in your sleep. That's enough of that. And you think that's bad. You will choose, every time you pick up a chocolate bar, the average chocolate bar has eight insect legs in it. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. So here's the thing that probably needs to be said. Morality is part of wisdom. Knowledge is part of wisdom, but wisdom goes beyond both morality and knowledge. We've been defining wisdom this way. We've been saying uh, wisdom is to discover and live in light of this pattern called reality. That the way that you would step out of mere existence into being fully, completely, totally alive is to discover and to live in light of this pattern called reality, that God created everything. And he created everything, including you, including me, that deep down inside of us, there's this pattern. It's called reality. When we live in light of it, we live. And if you read through the book of Proverbs, in fact, the entire Bible, you will see one part of that pattern of reality mentioned over and over and over again. It's called the law of cause and effect. The law of cause and effect. Maybe you've heard it expressed this way. You reap what you, so you harvest what you plant. It's the law of cause and effect. It's kind of part of the human condition. Like we all sort of get it, right? Like if I was up here and saying to you, hey man, if you live on nothing but Jolt Cola and Mars bars, you're not gonna be very healthy. That's the law of cause and effect, okay? Or if I was to say, but if you choose instead to live on kale, quinoa, and coconut water, you're a weirdo, okay? So no, 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 no. The effect will be that you, you will be healthier, right? It's the law of cause and effect, it motivates us to do some really, really interesting things. I've got a bunch of friends and family in my life that are really into cold plunging right now. 
They've been telling me about it over and over and over again, cause and effect. The cause is plunge into this cold water. The effect is like, you'll be like emotionally and physically just rocking it, you know? And so I listened to these guys over and over and over again. And finally, 10 days ago, I'm like, that's it. I'm taking the plunge, pun intended, okay? So uh, to, to understand the story, I'll tell you this. On, on this particular Tuesday, I was just tired. It's a long, long day challenging day. So I went to bed at 7.45 p.m. That's super early, okay? I'm old, just get over it, all right? So <laughs> I woke up the next morning, Wednesday morning, the day I'm gonna start cold plunging, okay? 2.45 a.m., right? Seven hours sleep, 2.45 a.m. But it's a seven hours sleep, but it still ended at 2.45 a.m. That's really early, but I'm gonna do it, man. I'm so committed to cold plunging. I'm just going to do it. So I get up and I turn the bathtub on like the cold faucet, grab a bag of ice, throw the ice in there. Okay, I'm, I'm ready to go. At, at 3.14 a.m., I'm all ready to go. Like it's, the bathtub's full, it's freezing cold. And I stand there until like 3.15. <laughs> and then I, I jump in the tub. And I know I'm talking about the law of cause and effect, but in that moment I learned about another law. It's called the law of displacement. And the law of displacement says, if you fill the tub right up to the top and then jump in, you will flood the bathroom. Okay, so that happened. <laughs> it's 3.15 a.m., man. So I, I, I'm in there, I'm in, I'm in this freezing cold tub for like three minutes. I get out, I walk over to the shower, freezing cold shower, three minutes. I've been doing it every day since. I'm not even sure it works. I'm just going on the fact that, I mean, I hope it does. I really, really hope it does. It's the law of cause and effect though. The effect is somehow, I guess, I hope, worth this cause. It's funny how much people love to talk about it because I know now that I mention it, I'm gonna have 100 people talking to me. Man, I know, cold plunging, right? It's just incredible. You gotta add a sauna. I'm like, I'm trying, okay? I really wanna add the sauna part. It seems a lot more fun than the cold plunge. There's a negative side to cause and effect too. Sometimes we can ignore it. A, a perfect example for me is being a teacher for so many years and I would watch certain parents and the way that they would talk to their kids, just speaking words of death to their kids, speaking words of discouragement, demoralizing their kids over and over and over again. And, and, and with a number of them, eventually it was so bad that I would actually come and <clears throat> talk to them. And I would say to the parent, I, I mean, I don't really think you should talk to your kids that way. That's so funny. Remember earlier I talked to you about moral, moralizers and rationalizers, okay? Every single parent I ever talked to about the way that they spoke to their kids was either a moralizer or a rationalizer. The moralizers would say this. They would misquote or misapply a verse in the Bible that says, says this, spare the rod and spoil the child. Completely irrelevant, by the way, to the way they were talking to their kid, but they would use that with certainty and confidence. The other ones would be rationalizers, and they would say something like this. By the way, in an argument between a rationalizer and someone talking from wisdom, the rationalizer usually wins because of volume and certainty again. So they would say, what my son did yesterday, was it idiotic? Was it? Was it idiotic, yes or no? Was it idiotic? What my son did yesterday, was it idiotic? Was he an idiot when he did that? And before I could answer, they would say, yes, it was, and therefore, I call him an idiot. 
And what I would try to explain to them is I would try to explain, and I wouldn't have been able to say it back then, but it's just the law of cause and effect. There's gonna be an effect. You wanna be, you wanna be right or do you wanna get it right? You wanna win the moment or do you wanna be effective? There will be an effect to the way you speak to your kids, sir. And it varied with different kids. Sometimes it was kids who just, well, they never took off. They never really spread their wings. They never really succeeded in life. And these are the parents that look back and go, I told you, (laughs) I told you. It's like you spoke that into existence. Or on the other hand, you have the kids that as soon as they're old enough, they're gone. 16, 17, 18 years old, they're leaving home as fast as they can. And sometimes these parents will go, well, how do you like that, right? They don't write, they don't call, no Christmas, no birthdays. And and, and the truth is, you wanna look at them and go, she's running for her life. That's why you haven't heard from her. It's it's the law of cause and effect. It's, It's really deep. And it's really ingrained to this thing we call the human condition. It's a big part of this pattern called reality. I mean, as simple as this, you, you hold your breath for five minutes, you pass out. You, you go to the gym, you take a selfie while you're doing bicep curls and you post it on your social media, all your friends make fun of you. It's the law of cause and effect. That's how it works. I think it's a big part actually of stepping out of just existing to be fully, completely, and totally alive. So I wanna talk about three things about the law of cause and effect today. I wanna suggest to you that it's directional, it's delayed, and it's divine. It's always directional. It's always directional. The problem with you and me is we don't get that. Like we, we, we get that when, when we keep it simple, right? Like um, you live on Jolt Cola and Mars bars, it's not gonna be good for you, we get that. Yeah, yeah, it's directional. Uh, what's the direction? Well, eat some kale. <laughs> I hear it's good, I've never tried it, okay? So, so, right, that's the direction. We get that. If you jump off that building, you'll fall. That's directional, right? And yet, we struggle when it gets a little bit deeper than that. When it gets a little more existential than that, we, we struggle to see it as directional. For example, if you read through the book of Proverbs, you'll see over and over and over again, Solomon is inspired by God to write, hey, when you get married, be faithful. You know, be loyal. When you make that vow, when you make that promise, live up to it. And we, all of a sudden, we understood, hey, when we were talking about Jolt Cola and Mars bars, we got it. But now suddenly we stop seeing it as directional and we start to see it as reactionary. Like if you cheat on your spouse, God's gonna get you. He's gonna lose it. He's gonna be so choked, he's going to come down and punish you. No. No, that's not the way it works. See, the law of cause and effect is not God being a cosmic killjoy. It's about him extending an invitation. And what he's saying is this, is deep down inside of you, your soul was built with a pattern. And for you to really exist, to, really, to, to, to go past existence and to really be alive, here's some things that your soul will thrive on. Being faithful. Being loyal. When you make a promise, you keep it. And, and so when somebody says, man, God's gonna punish you, you know, if you lie, if you steal, If you cheat on your taxes, if you cheat on that test, if you cheat on your spouse, God's going to get you. 
It's kind of like saying this. I, I went skydiving two weeks. I didn't actually go. This is an illustration, okay? I went skydiving two weeks ago without a parachute. And God punished me by breaking both my legs. <laughs> There's this pattern to reality. It's directional. It's not God being a cosmic killjoy. It's about God extending an invitation to you and me. Now, I mention that to you because often we get people that, that call or, 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 or send a message or talk to us in person and they'll say things like this, man, like I'm, I'm having sex with my girlfriend. Is God gonna punish me? I'm surfing porn all the time. Is, is God gonna cause something really bad to happen to me because I'm doing that? And the answer is no, listen to me. Listen to me, there's two things you need to understand. We as, we as people, man, we're really, really, really into the external. See, God wants your heart. If you're gonna go past mere existence into, into actually being fully, completely, and totally alive, you know where it's gonna start? It's gonna start in your soul. That's where it's gonna start. And so when you read the Bible and you see it's directional, what, what he's saying is this, hey, starting now, I have an idea. You wanna take this, this road, this road, right? It's the, it's the road to being fully, completely, and totally alive. Here's how you do it. And it will start deep in your soul that when you're faithful, when you're loyal, it's really good for your soul. Way back in the beginning, God creates everything and he puts Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he says, hey, see all these trees? have at her, right? Except for this one. So there's all these trees, but there's this one tree, you know? It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Steer clear of that one. Okay, you can eat from any of these trees, but steer clear of that one. Uh, and here's why. Because the moment you eat from that tree, what's gonna happen is death is gonna enter your equation. Death is gonna enter the equation of all of history, all of creation, okay? So God gives Adam and Eve free will so that they can love God and love each other. And they exercise that free will by going to the one tree that God said not to eat from and they eat from it. Okay, but here's the thing. Then we start to imagine and then God was so choked. Oh, oh man, he showed up in the Garden of Eden and he lost it. No. God came down and he talked to Adam and Eve and he said, hey, remember, remember I said if you ate from, this is where you would be? Well, that's where you're at now. And this is what it's gonna look like. And even there in the very beginning, God said, and here's the way back. See, I don't know who you are or where you've been or what you've done. God wants your heart. And his message is always this, from now on, from now on. Hey, let's step out of it. I don't know what happened yesterday. It doesn't actually really matter. What, what, what matters is from now on. Let's step into life, past just existence into being fully, completely, totally alive. The law of, I almost said the law of supply and demand has nothing to do with this sermon at all. <laughs> The law of cause and effect. First of all, it's always directional. Second, it's sometimes delayed. We know that, right? That's why some people call the book of Proverbs a collection of wise sayings that are generally true. It's principles. Principles like this. Lazy people will not prosper. Diligent people will prosper. Those are good principles, right? Those are true principles. Does it always play out that way though? No, because I've seen lazy people prosper, have you? And I've seen diligent people struggle, have you? 
Sometimes there's a delay on this cause and effect thing. It's really annoying and really frustrating, actually. Another way to express it would be this. Why do bad things happen to good people? Or why do good things happen to bad people, for that matter? It's really, really frustrating. So frustrating, in fact, that there's some people that say, that's why I can tell you there's no God. There can be no order. There can be no pattern called reality. It's just all chaos. Like, bad things are happening to good people. Good things are happening to bad people. I want to talk about that for just a few minutes. So first of all, can can I make a suggestion to you? It's kind of interesting, isn't it? That we all kind of agree. We all kind of have a shared idea of what a bad thing and a good thing looks like. Have you ever thought about that? Like it's, it's almost like deep inside of you and deep inside of me, there was a pattern placed. It's a pattern called reality, and we all kind of have this shared understanding of what a good thing and a bad thing, and even what a good person and a bad person looks like. You know the one person you're really bad at judging, though, whether, whether that person is good or bad? Do you know who that person is? It's you. You're, you're brutal. You're, you're pretty good, at, get, like, you're pretty good at, at figuring out where everyone else stands. You're just not so good with you. And here's why. Because you judge other people by their actions. You judge you by your intentions. That's why you and me say stuff like this sometimes. Well, I was just trying to. What I meant was, you know. But, but it's interesting. So why do bad things happen to good people? Why do you? Good things happen to bad people. So what's a good person? Kind of reminds me of middle school PE, you know? Line up from shortest to tallest. You remember that? Line up from goodest to baddest. So, you know, let's let's say we line line like, I don't know how many people, say 70 people. I I don't know if 70 people would fit, probably not. But they they line up from goodest to baddest. No offense to this side of the room, okay? So from goodest to baddest. So so over here we have... uh, Mother Teresa, right? Martin Luther King Jr. We have Billy Graham, Connor McDavid. Okay, so we have all these people over here. You like that. I know you liked it. Okay, so, and then here's Hitler and Genghis Khan, Stalin and Charles Manson. Okay, so there they are. Now, we're, we're pretty good at figuring out, like, when we, talk to, when we talk about the extremes, we're pretty good. You know when it starts to get tougher? When we start to get into the middle which by the way is like where a vast majority of people find themselves. And so then you ask yourself, okay, okay, well, what does it mean? Like, what does it mean to be a good person? Like pretty good? Kind of good? See, according to the Bible, good means good. Like good, good. Like thoroughly good. Thoroughly good means just good through and through. Now that's tough. I never m- met anybody good through and through, have you? See, see, what's funny is if you went down to this side, the goodest side, you know, and you asked Mother Teresa, are you thoroughly good? She would say, no. It's kind of a topic for another sermon, but you know on this continuum, you know who would say I am thoroughly good? Interesting, isn't it? Thoroughly good, good through and through. So what if no, nobody is? So then the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I'm gonna leave that aside for just a few minutes. I'll get back to that. But then the question is, why do good things happen to bad people? People like 
me. If good means thoroughly good, that's people like me. So, so then why do good things happen to bad people? I guess because the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, and he doesn't want anyone to perish but everybody to be saved. I think that's why. It's actually the law of cause and effect. It's always directional. It's sometimes delayed, and finally, it's completely divine. It's completely divine. First book of the Bible, book of Genesis, Genesis chapter one. God created the heavens and the earth, all you see, all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. So there was nothing and then God. There was nothing and then God took nothing and made it something. Took empty and made it full. Took dark and made it light. It's one of the most beautiful proof of the existence of God is the law of cause and effect, right? You know, sometimes people go, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, with cause and effect, we know what came first. Has to be cause. Cause always comes before effect. Does that make sense? And so then we go back in time. Okay, so there's this effect. We can trace it back to this cause. And then there's another effect and another cause, effect, cause, cause, and you go all the way back and there has to be something, there has to be something for the law of cause and effect. We see it everywhere, it always exists. There must be something in history, in the universe called the first cause. So that's why every once in a while you'll hear me uh, referring to God as the unmade maker, the uncreated creator, the undesigned designer, or for the purposes of our sermon today, the uncaused cause, the first cause. God showed up and there was nothing and then he turned nothing into something. There was empty, he turned empty into full. There was darkness and he turned darkness into light. And we've already talked about Adam and Eve and how they, they walked away from God. So, so let's be really specific. So, so, so God takes nothing and makes it something. So when you walk away from God, you move away from something back towards nothing. God takes empty and makes it full. So when you walk away from God, you walk away from fullness towards emptiness. God takes darkness and makes it light. So when you walk away from God, you walk into darkness. We see it around us every day. It's heartbreaking. <clears throat> and the life we live, it, it, it's from the soul out. It's, it's, in, it's from the inside out always. It's, it starts on the inside. And so you see people all the time, every day. Maybe this describes you actually. Looking for meaning, looking for hope, looking for joy, looking for peace, looking for purpose and finding Nothing. Or, or people around you, or maybe this describes you, like desperately looking to find contentment and fulfillment and yet finding yourself empty. Or people around you, or maybe it describes you, desperately looking for light, a light at the end of my tunnel, a light to guide me, 
a, a light that shows me that there's something beyond this existence, that there's a destiny for me and it's worth looking forward to. And yet so many people in our world just finding darkness instead. It's hard because the question of why do good things happen to bad people? It was Alexander Solzhenitsyn who said this, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. And through all human hearts, this line shifts Inside us, it oscillates with the years, and even within hearts overwhelmed by evil, one small bridgehead of good is retained. And so here we are. We're just trying to find peace and trying to find hope and trying to find light and trying to find something and trying to find fulfillment in a broken world. And that's why Jesus showed up. If anyone ever asks you, why did Jesus step into human history? Here's the easiest answer to give him. The law of cause and effect. The law of cause and effect is why Jesus came. That's why he came the first time. That's why he's coming back. The law of cause and effect says this. You reap what you sow. You harvest what you plant. Okay? So the goodest person watching online right now, here in person right now, you're not completely good. You're not thoroughly good, right? And and so that means that for all of us who have ever made a mistake, we're what's called a sinner. And so what we do is we plant, what do we plant then? We plant sin. And the harvest of sin is death, right? Because God is a life giver. He's the unmade maker. He's the first cause. He he created everything. So when we walk away from God, which is what sin is, we walk into death, okay? So when we plant sin, we harvest death. So Jesus shows up. The Bible says, Jesus himself said this, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. Now listen to this. Jesus shows up, and what did he plant? He's the only thoroughly good person who has ever lived. So what did he plant? Not sin, but righteousness. You know what the harvest of righteousness is? Life. Today, right now, in this spectacular moment, life and life forever. And so Jesus says, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna fulfill the law. The harvest of what you planted Jesus says, I'll take it. So all of the death and all of the shame and all of the destruction and all of the darkness, Jesus faced that on the cross. He said, what your sin has planted, I will harvest. I will take it upon myself. And in exchange for that, Jesus says, what I planted, I planted righteousness and the harvest of that is life. Why don't you harvest that? That's the deal. That's why Jesus came. The law of cause and effect. Jesus came and he caused our sins to be forgiven, our hurts to be healed, and our eternity to be secure. And he's coming back again. Revelation 21 describes it this way. I saw heaven and earth new created. Gone the first heaven, gone the first earth, gone the sea. I saw holy Jerusalem, new created, descending resplendent out of heaven, as ready for God as a bride for her husband. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. There is people, he's their God. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone, crying gone, pain gone. All the first order of things gone. 
the enthroned continued, look, I'm making everything new. Write it all down, each word dependable and accurate. You get it? When Jesus showed up the first time, he said, I'm gonna make your soul brand new, fully, completely, and totally alive. You're gonna harvest what I planted. <laughs> My soul right now is fully, completely, totally alive. And one day, Jesus is gonna come back. And when he, when he does, what's true about my soul will be true about everything. This whole universe fully, completely, and totally alive. That's it, that's it. That's the story of Jesus, the law of cause and effect. He didn't come to abolish it, but you better believe he fulfilled it. See, John Cougar says this, oh yeah, life goes on long after the thrill of living, living is gone. Jesus says, the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Everything that needed to be done for you to step into something, step into fulfillment, step into light, forgiveness of your sins, eternal life is yours. Everything that needed to be done, Jesus has already fulfilled. The next step is yours. Would you be willing to take hold of what he already purchased for you through his death and resurrection? If that's you today with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. So why don't you just raise your hand nice and high because I wanna pray for you right now in this moment. If you're watching online and it's safe to do so, I'd love it if you could raise your hand right now too. If today is your day, beautiful, incredible. You can put your hands down. I'm gonna pray out loud. I invite you to just pray silently along with me. So Jesus, thank you. Today I accept your gift. I step out of mere existence. I begin the journey to be fully, completely, and totally alive. So I pray that you would be my savior. Forgive my sins. Give me a fresh start today. And that you would be my Lord. Give me the strength to follow you one next step at a time, all the way into eternity. Thank you that because of you, the best is yet to come. And, and Jesus, for the rest of us who have been following you for years and years, I pray that we wouldn't just be people who say, yeah, 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 Jesus came to give us an abundant life, but we don't live it. We come to you right now, Jesus, and we confess sometimes we just settle for mere existence. So I pray that you would lead us too. Give us courage to step boldly where you would lead us. Not, not always into safety, but into just goodness and life, purpose and joy and peace. We love you, we thank you. Amen, amen, let's celebrate. Uh, just before you left today, I wanted to show you something. This is a Bible that I got as a present in Christmas of 1987. There's an incredible story behind this Bible, and I wanna share it with you next week. So, we'll see you then. Bring your friends, bring your family. I love you, until then.
Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.